Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to the Round 1 and 2 Recap. I'm Keith Foster. And I'm Andy Campbell. We're going to give a quick recap of each of the regions. In our first match, it was King versus King, as number one seed Kong continues his domination of the competition. After defeating both Gargantua brothers in a handicap match, Kong faced the triple-headed threat of number nine seed King Ghidorah. In the end, Kong was able to braid Ghidorah's heads together, neutralizing his offense, and with a giant swing, he sent the king back to Planet X. After defeating three opponents and five heads, one has to wonder, can anyone stop King Kong? In the next fight, it was number four Varan versus number five Mothra, and in typical Mothra fashion, she fought almost to the death in her last match against Angulus, leaving her just too spent to mount any offense against Varan. And to add insult to injury, Mothra's own children were ringside to see their mother go down in defeat. Our next battle sees our first upset this round, as number three Rodan falls to number six, the cyborg chicken Gigan. His sharp hook arm sliced up Rodan's leathery wings, taking away both his ability to fly and his powerful wind gusts. Without any means of offense or escape, he was left vulnerable to Gigan's buzzsaw belly. The final fight of the Showa region was between number 2 seed Jet Jaguar and number 7 seed Hedera. And as you'd expect going up against a garbage monster, this one got dirty. Jet Jaguar can punch, punch, punch all he wants, but a metal robot going up against a monster made of acid rain was a recipe for disaster. Jet Jaguar is dissolved, and Hedera advances. Jet Lee fought multiple versions of himself in The One, and in the tournament's Godzilla region, Godzilla's through time have fought it out amongst themselves as well. They've taken to the court, thrown their rec specs on, kept an eye out for Charles Barkley elbows, and got busy. Now that the Sweet Monster 16 has been set, the Millennium Era has shown that the secret to success on the court is size. Size keyed NBA titles by the Lakers, Rockets, and Celtics and is king the dominance of post-Y2K Godzillas. Have there been any big upsets? No! The biggest monsters have had little problem knocking off their smaller counterparts, and in the words of hip-hop artists High and Mighty, have had them claiming they Godzilla when they really got Zuki. 
Not since the Big East's heyday has one grouping done so well in a single tournament. Millennium era, you're making Pearl Washington and Patrick Ewing envious. In the opening match of the non-Toho region, it was experience versus youth, as number one seed Ultraman took on number nine Otachi. But to no one's surprise, Ultraman was able to defeat Otachi, dispatching him late in the game with a blast from his Ultra Beam. A valiant effort by the young Otachi. Remember her, folks, you haven't seen the last of her. In our second matchup of Youth vs. Experience, we have number 13 Baltan against number 5 Slattern. But you can have all the experience in the world, that's still a Category 5 Kaiju. I hope Baltan enjoyed his upset of Gauss because, folks, this one wasn't pretty. Slattern absolutely dominated Baltan in a rout. Our number 14 seed, he may be Legion, he may be many, but he was still no match for the people's champion, number 11 seed, Daimaijin. The stone idol was able to rain blow after stony blow down upon the swarm to take this one in a squeaker. In a rematch 17 years in the making, it's number 15 seed Iris versus number 10 seed Gamera. Now folks, as you may remember, in their last matchup, Gamera won, but he barely escaped with his life. And this time was no different, as the victory here cost Gamera an arm and a leg. One hopes he has enough time for them both to regenerate in time for his next matchup. There are a lot of ways to succeed in March Madness. You can be nice with the three, which works to the advantages of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and King Ghidra. You can win and delight scouts with wingspan, 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 like Orga, in a basketball sense, and Batra, in a real sense. Or you can be a hulking metal behemoth superweapon like Mechagodzilla, and possibly LeBron James. The point being, when it comes to the Heisei Millennium region, there are multiple ways to succeed. Now I've seen Air Bud, Airbud Golden Receiver, and Airbud World Pup, so I know a little something about sports. And this region's epic first round clashes easily stand out as one of the most amazing first rounds in Monster Madness tournament history. Will Batra and Mecha Godzilla continue their winning ways? Or will Orga and Monster X build on the most dominant court performances by Alien since the Monstars in Space Jam? The next batch of big dukaroos will show the way. Well, that's the story so far in Monster March Madness. Now that we're at the Sweet 16, what will the rest of the tournament hold? What tournament Cinderella will advance? And how can a monster the size of a building be considered a Cinderella in the first place? Those answers and more, as the Kaiju Cast crew continues their quest for a Daikaiju champion. Back to you, Kyle. Thanks, Keith, and welcome to a very special episode of the Kaiju Cast. Once again, we are back at Monster March Madness, and we're going through our third round of eliminations. Joining me here in the studio, we have Brian Cook. Hey, what's up? Rachel Cook. Hi, hi. Charles Babbage is here. Howdy. St. Donahue's back. Cheers. And joining us for this round, we have Dave Helfrey. Yeah! Yeah! I'm up for this! I am really glad Monsters! <laughs> that's, that's what we do the whole time. We just shout monsters. I know! Monsters! I want monsters! 
Sisters. Well, we were tailgating earlier in the day. <laughs> All right, so now what we're doing is we're hitting the different bouts from our next round of elimination. We're going to start things off with the Godzilla region. Godzilla 2014 is fighting against Godzilla 2001. So that would be Legendary's Godzilla against Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters, all at attack. I know the one that I want to win, but let's hear what you have to say, Brian. 2014 or 2001? Well, 2001 is evil incarnate, and you can't count that out. You and that, cannot. That is you true. You can't count that out. And I know that 2014 has the size advantage, but it's going to be up in the air. Let's talk a little bit about that height difference. Godzilla 2014 clocks in at 108 meters tall. Godzilla 2001, only 60 meters. Now, what is the difference between these two big, giant Godzillas, Rachel? Well, when you look at 2014, he's got those weird elephant feet. And so he probably is not super coordinated and can't move around very quickly, even though he's got the size and he's got the height. I just don't think that he could take down the scrappy, vicious, evil incarnate that is 2001. Interesting. So, Charles, do you think that 2001 is going to be able to play Godzilla 2014 size against him? Quite possibly. You know, you don't have to be big to swallow somebody's soul. (laughs) Yeah. The evil 2001, I do think, might have a slight advantage, especially since 2014. It's a little bit of a nice guy. That's right. He is a hero. Sane, what do you think, man? Do you think the 2001 is going to have an advantage or a disadvantage over the 2014? Well, what we've got here, Kyle, is two immortal beasts. One incredibly long-lived creature in the 2014 that may have existed even prior to the dinosaurs. But on the other hand, we've got the 2001, the spirit of all those angry Japanese citizens that died during Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and even during the war, makes for an immortal beast that could be reduced just to a heart and still live. But I have to say, I really think in this particular match, 2014 is just too overwhelming. He's just too big. I think he'll probably destroy the angry spirit of Japan. All right, Dave, I want to hear what you think, man. Do you think that size matters in this match? Size matters in a big way. I'm saying on this one, because not only does he have an almost 70% height differential, when you work that out to the mass, to the weight of the tail alone, it would just be thunderous. It would be catastrophic, the, the, the amount of force that 2014 can bring into play. And it just reminds me of all these YouTube videos that I watch all the time about like a uh, scrappy badger versus hungry timber wolf. <laughs> and it's like the little guy does damage. There's no question the little guy comes in and does some damage, but it's like, you know, badger versus timber wolf or warthog versus rhino or like any of these things you see on YouTube. It's like the little guy's got heart. Those guys is like the, the, the little guy will chase the big one away. But if the big one's going to stay there and fight it, the big one's going to win. Oh, no, man. I disagree. I'll see your YouTube video and I'll raise you a cat video. Have you seen that video where the cat, scrappy, fierce, evil, oh, filled with anger? It, yeah. Of all the mice that it's killed, yeah. <laughs> the spirit of evil rodents. Chases the dog away yeah. that's attacking the child. That's an amazing video. I, it's, it's it's incredible. Video. Yeah. And Beautiful. that that cat annihilates. That cat annihilates. And I think that's what we have here. I think 2001 is that cat. I think it's got the nine lives behind it that it needs. And I think that it's going to win. But do you think that Godzilla 2014 is going to get frightened by this little 2001 no no and way. run away? Not going to happen. He's apparently mm, the people's champion. I think he's weak. <laughs> I think he's a hero. Kiss of death. Not going to yeah. happen. All right. I think it's time to call this one. 2014. 2001. 2001. 
2014. All right. With me voting 2014, I unfortunately, for 2001, which is one of my favorite Godzillas ever. It's a great Godzilla. Going to have to say that 2014 is the winner. We're going to go ahead and move into the Heisei Millennium region. Yeah. And Monster X is fighting against Batra. This is a match that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Monster X, an alien. Batra, an earthbound creature. Charlie, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, here's the thing. I don't think Monster X really stands a chance. He doesn't have much going for him. He has gravity beam eyes and a little levitation ability. That's not going to measure up to the bulletproof fierceness of Batra. Good point. Same. What do you think, man? I have to go with Charles as well here. This is a heavily armored tank of a monster. And uh, Monster X just doesn't seem to have a lot of real close quarter combat skills. It can't seem to do much. Maybe a soccer kick here and there, but no teeth, no claws. It's a pretty wimpy creature compared to this giant armored caterpillar. Okay, giant armored caterpillar. Vote in for that. What do you think, Dave? Absolutely. Got to agree with uh, Ch- Charlie and uh, Saint on this. Batra's a tank. And Batra's got the home field advantage. He's basically an earth elemental who's created to uh, do the dirty work that Mothra could never get done. I think that that power sort of in the same way that Gamera calls on the mana of the universe to, you know, level up in a fight and everything. I think uh, Batra, whether you're looking at larva form or adult flying form, the ferocity, the destructive power of his beams, which are considerable. That is true. Uh, It is is really considerable and just epic to watch. I'm giving it to Batra. We haven't talked about Batra turning from its larval form into the adult form. Brian, what kind of advantage do you think the winged form is going to give? Well, it's the flight advantage has been huge in this contest. That is true. Very true. Mothra and Rodan have initially beat their original competitors just because they were aerial. Very true. And Monster X, he's got a lot of fight in him. He's quick on his feet, but it's just not going to match up to Batra hovering above him. Death from above, baby. Raining purple death. Death from above. I agree. I think that Batra's going to rain blood all over this floaty unicorn of a creature. (laughs) Uh, Monster X doesn't know what's coming to him. So it sounds like it's a unanimous call for Batra winning this match. It's a shutout. It's a shutout, (laughs) and Batra is the winner. Moving along to the non-Toho region and the next battle, we are crossing universes and bringing a hero from a distant planet land, Ultraman, against the Creech from the Breach, Pacific Rim's Slattern. Dave, you're a big Ultra fan. How do you see this fight going between a Category 5 Kaiju and the Hero of Earth? Okay, well, we could go two ways with this. We could go emotionally, we could go logically. Emotionally, you gotta root for Ultraman. He's the good guy. He protects the Earth. We love him. He fights the odds. He throws himself in front of danger. Everybody loves Ultraman. That is great. That notwithstanding, his color timer is a problem. Having to take out his villain in three minutes or however long, that is a problem that he comes up with in, in like episode after episode after episode. And I think Slattern is just too big. If in like all the Ultraman movies and everything, he fights monsters much larger than Slattern. True. Actually. But he's got like eight Ultra Brothers backing him up when he's doing it. He's never taken on these big guys on his own. I think that's a problem. I think it's like my heart's with Ultraman, but my brain goes with Slattern. I don't think he can defeat Slattern in the amount of time that his power lasts. If if he used a little bit to throw an energizer battery into him, I think he could take him. (laughs) But without that, I don't see it happening. 
So you think Slattern is just going to overpower him and basically tire him out until I don't even. Th- I think just it's, it's rope a dope. Absolutely. I don't even think he has to throw a punch. I just don't think Ultraman can kill him in that amount of time. He's too big. Brian and Rachel, what say you? You know, you're going with Brain, and I'm going to say that Brain is the reason that Ultraman's going to beat Slattern Ooh, here. Yeah, that nice segment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, like yeah I think that Ultraman's smart. I think he's a bright hero. I think he knows what he's doing. And I think Slattern's just a big, dumb animal. And I, he's got the big, weird eyes. He's got the big, crazy face. He's just going to get in his way of his vision because he doesn't know what he's doing. And he can't even look straight ahead. Um, <laughs> and I think that I think Ultraman could use his smarts to really figure out what Slattern's weakness is and take him down. Brian, yeah. do you think Ultraman's going to have enough time to figure out Slattern? Slattern's weaknesses before Slattern pounds him into silver and red puddles. Most definitely. This is a total David and Goliath situation. I think that Ultraman is just way more cunning, and perhaps he may need to avenge the death of Ultra 7, who was just defeated by Slattern. So Excellent he's, point. he's personally invested mm, in this yeah. fight. Charlie, what do you think, man? Well... Rachel keeps mentioning big, dumb animals. Well, sometimes the big, dumb animals win. Just like in the end of the movie Grizzly Man, this... uh... (laughs) Yes! (laughs) This tape of Slattern. Don't listen to this tape. That is... Yes! (laughs) Grizzly Man is canon. (laughs) Your your laugh threw me off. No, it's good. I like it. This Ultraman's Ultra Shower isn't going to put out the fire that is Slattern. Ooh. Saying, do you have any love for Ultraman? Or are you in Slattern's court here? This is a hard one for me. I gotta say, I do appreciate how well designed and the nostalgic feel of Ultraman. But honestly, I gotta say, I find myself liking the modern interpretation of some of these giant kaiju. That notwithstanding, I have to say that in our own prehistory here on Earth, even a caveman with a spear was able to take out a mammoth. And that spear for Ultraman could be his Ultra Beam. We have seen that Slattern isn't particularly armored. Things do slice through these kaijus, these Pacific Rim monsters, pretty easily. He might be able to strike a blow that literally splits this monster in half. Well, I gotta say, you guys make some very valid points and very valid arguments. Ultraman, I'm afraid I just don't see him being able to last the three minutes unless he was getting backed up and had a tag team partner. So let's make our final calls here. Dave? I got a vote and I got another argument. I'm going to throw out to try to change some minds here. Definitely Slattern. Another reason why I'm thinking of that is look back at Ultraman's history. Gamora. Okay. Big, tough monster. Nowhere near the class of Slattern. Nowhere near as big as Slattern. Ultraman could not defeat him. It's a timer. It's the amount of time he's got to do it. He couldn't do it then. He can't do it now. Same. I say I'm still going with Ultraman. I think, uh, much like Rachel, uh, to vindicate her, uh, statement earlier, I think he's smart enough that I really do believe he could take it from Slattern. All right, Charlie, your voice. I think quite the opposite. Slattern just has a massive size advantage that can't be overcome. Ultraman. Ultraman all the way. All right. It sounds like actually Ultraman is the winner of this bout. So Ultraman wins. (laughs) We are going to move into the Shore region. Each worship to placate their legendary wrath. Our next two opponents are feared respectively by the natives of Faroe Island and the Ainu cult of Obaki. King Kong is about to square off against Varan. Brian and Rachel, you guys are big fans of the giant ape. Tell me, do you think Varan has a chance against the King of Kong? No way. 
I don't think so. I think that Varan is a tiny little flying squirrel that King Kong is just going to smash into little bits as much as that breaks my heart because <laughs> I adore flying squirrels. But he's just too cute and Kong's just too uh, manly and beastly and he's just going to take him down and he's going to destroy that little tiny little thorns on his back. I mean, I just don't think those spikes have anything on that Kong. Uh, this just said from Varan's management. They want to thank you for calling him cute. Brian, what do you think? Do you think Varan has a chance against the king? Well, I like the claws and the horns. Varan is uh, a formidable foe, but Kong's got ape strength, ape cunning. As long as he can stay off the drink, he's got got this one. Charlie, what do you think, man? Do you think Kong has a chance? Absolutely. There's a, well, there's a, a pretty equal size comparison here i think kong is uh very much a match as is, is going to dominate over varan and his little wimpy spikes those spikes aren't that wimpy sane <laughs> agree with me here i do agree with you kyle i actually am not an ape fan i think they tend to be a l- really overblown i'm more of a reptile man and i think varan being a a ferocious reptilian monster that's cold, calculating, claws, teeth, spikes, armored shell, that membrane that allows him to glide. He may stay out of Kong's reach. Kong doesn't have it over this creature, as far as I'm concerned. Are you seeing a little bit of a, a similarity between Godzilla and Varan and the way Godzilla was able to really pound King Kong for the first half of the movie? I do. My money will always go on the more powerful reptile. All right, Dave, what do you think, man? King Kong or Varan? Um, I, I'm trying to get the image out of my head of Sane pulling his skin off and being a reptile man. That's like, <laughs> that's like, it's just getting funny to me. But hey, no, absolutely. I'm going Kong. I'm going Kong all the way. Uh, monkey strength, man. If you were to extrapolate just the strength of a, a chimpanzee, much less a silverback gorilla. I mean, you're always here about it's like, oh, hey, a guy had a chimpanzee as a pet and uh, a chimp had a bad day and tore his face off. You know, it's like, these monkey strength is crazy and Kong strength. That's going to be crazier because we're talking Toho Kong. We're not talking Peter Jackson Kong. His strength would just be overwhelming. He would tear Varan's face off. Yeah. I'm afraid that if Kong gets a hold of Varan, it's over, literally over for Varan. We will not see him in any sequels after that. <laughs> so, uh, final votes in Kong. Oh, Kong. Varan. Kong. 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 Ooh, overwhelming voting for Kong going on here. Kong is the winner of this match. And we are moving back up to the Godzilla region to find out what happens when Godzilla 2004 from Final Wars fights against Godzilla 2000. Brian, do you like Godzilla 2000's chances? I don't like his chances. I think the 2004 Godzilla is a lot more athletic. I think he's going to run circles around this 2000 Godzilla. Now, we have not heard back from the association about the concern we had in the last episode about (laughs) performance-enhancing drugs on these Heisei and Millennium monsters. So we're just going to have to go with the fight as it is. Rachel, does 2000 have a chance against the Final Wars Godzilla? Oh, I think so. I think that he's got this giant spike on his back, and I think it's going to tear right through those juiced-up muscles. I think that those muscles are just going to just burst with all of the injections that have been put into them. I think that the drugs are going to weaken the mind. Ladies and, and gentlemen, think- this is all speculation. None of this is, <laughs> has been confirmed or corroborated by any legitimate sources. I think that uh, Godzilla 2000 is a uh, fresh 
real athlete, and I think that he's going to just take down the old juicer. Charlie, what do you think, man? 2004 <laughs> well, have a chance against 2000, or are you feeling the other way? Well, I think 2000 is a good spunky newcomer here, but he doesn't have the experience of 2004. 2004 has had many, many bouts under his belt at this point, and uh, I think he's going to take it. Now, the size is something we have not talked about yet here. Godzilla 2000 is only 55 meters tall, and Godzilla from Final Wars is almost double that at 100 meters tall. We've talked about size being a big component of these fights. I can't imagine that that is not going to have a major impact. Dave, what do you say? Uh, we have spoken about size. I absolutely agree with you. It is going to have a major impact, and we have spoken about drugs, and I want to know what Rachel is on, because there is no <laughs> way 2000 stands a chance against 2004. 2004 is just too big. He's got the experience Charlie was talking about. It'll be a good fight like any of these fights would be, but it's not up for question. 2004 is going to take his lunch money. So, Sane, are you also in the 2004 Final Wars camp here? Well, what we've got here, Kyle, is two competitors with a lot of evenly matched powers. Heat weapons, about the same. Both big spiral heat blasts. But the thing about the 2004 is he's really got the eye of the tiger. He wants to win. <laughs> he burns through every opponent he comes across. So I'm afraid, as much as the 2000 is a plucky newcomer, won't stand a chance against the 2004 Final Wars Godzilla. Well, I can't say that I disagree with that statement at all. Looks like it could be the final war that Goji sees in this competition. But I demand the commissioner looking juicing. <laughs> look at the 2014 Godzilla compared to the 68. Just look at those thighs. You know, <laughs> is it true? I heard that the commissioner of this association is actually Mr. Taco from King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> the president of uh, Happy Pharmaceuticals. I can't remember the name of that company. Anyway. Well, as long as Corn Job from Gamera isn't the <laughs> commissioner. Okay, okay, okay. That one got me. That's that that really good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, we're going to zip over to the Heisei Millennium region to figure out what's happening with Orga. He's fighting against Mecha Godzilla from 1993. Now, this is another size difference monster. So, Orga clocks in at about. 60 meters. Mechagodzilla generally, we'd say he's double that size. And of course, he has all of those weapons available to him. Orga himself has a weapon with that shoulder cannon. We talked about that in the last episode. But I'm interested to see if we think that Mechagodzilla is strong enough to beat this monster from space. Sane, what do you think is going to happen when these two meet on the battlefield? Well... Orga's got those big boxing glove hands. They're very powerful, and his shoulder cannon seems to do a, quite a bit of damage, including high concussive damage, which we know that Mechagodzilla seems to be prone to have a, a problem with real shocks to its system. But the Mechagodzilla does have the diamond plating on the outside that tends to reflect a lot of beam damage. He also just has a simple size advantage over this uh, smaller pug of a monster. <laughs> Now, the problem I see with Mechagodzilla is that he's basically being piloted by humans. There's a pretty big disconnect there when you're sitting in the cockpit of the chair. Brian, do you think that's going to be a problem for the pilots of Mechagodzilla fighting against Orga? Oh, I think so. I think that alien technology will be humans every single time. 
<laughs> and Orga is nothing but alien technology. That's true. That's true. Sane mentioned that Mechagodzilla might not be able to stand up to the concussive power of Orga. Dave, what do you think is going to happen when Orga gets his hands on this much larger robot? I think that Sane makes a real good point about that. The other thing that I'm assuming here is that having advanced against Mothra, Orga has Mothra powers now? I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. He, All right, so it's... He devoured Mothra in a previous round. In the previous so. round. Okay, so he's got Mothra powers now. So it's Orga and Mothra against Mecha... Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> Morga. Against, Morga against, <laughs> against Mechagodzilla. Because of that, and because of the arguments that Sane was making, primarily about how concussion tends to uh, jack Mechagodzilla up a little bit like that, I'm going with Orga, but I could be convinced... Otherwise, this one is actually more up in the air for me than a lot of these other fights. Charlie, what do you think? Do you think Mechagodzilla is going to pull out any special technological moves that Orga is not going to be able to counter? Well, you know, I think his plasma grenades might provide some good uh, cover, and he's got that mega blaster that might do quite a bit of damage. But, you know, Orga has this interesting ability to do provide a lot of distraction. You know, he can remotely pilot that UFO. Oh, I completely forgot about that. So he, this might give him a pretty good advantage to keep those. That's a foreign object in the ring. Yes. Yeah, we might have another foreign object with Garuda coming in as well. You never know <laughs> what's going to happen with Mechagodzilla. What kind of tricks he has up his metal sleeve. Rachel, what do you think? Is Mechagodzilla going to annihilate this bizarre hybrid alien kaiju? I think so. I think, as Sane mentioned, uh, having that diamond plating is just going to reflect off anything Orga throws at him. I think that Mechagodzilla's got uh, the weaponry to uh, fire right through that uh, alien skin of Orga's. Now, I think that the size difference here is going to play a big part as it has in the past. But unfortunately for Orga, as much as I would like him to win, because I would really like to see him take Mechagodzilla apart piece by piece, I just think that he doesn't have it in him, and Mechagodzilla is going to overpower him. Well, I do have to say that one advantage that Orga might have is that his ship does seem to be constructed of nothing but chrome-plated cement, so he might be able to just <laughs> crash it into Mechagodzilla. <laughs> well, I think that's good enough for me. I'm ready to vote. Orga? I say Orga, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Orga, although... Orga's ability to absorb the powers of the other kaiju might not come into play here at all because it's Mechagodzilla. There's no organism to there absorb. Might, yeah, that's my... He might not be able this to could absorb have been a very, anything. Yeah, it could have been a very I'm, different match if it was against Kiru, who did have the skeleton of the original Godzilla. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I'm going to say Orga. I'm convinced. I'm going Orga. Yeah, I agree. Orga as well. Oh, wow. Wow. It's almost it's a an unanimous yeah. lock for Orga in this. Orga wins. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Sometimes the smaller underdoggy monster can take the fight. Moving on to the non-Toho region for another bout, we have a Dae Donnie Brook here with Daimajin fighting against Gamera. Now, this is the Heisei Gamera who has the ability, like Dave mentioned with Batra, to call upon the Earth for help. But we're also dealing with a god. Daimajin can take on his enemies multiple times. Dave, how do you see this fight going for Daimajin? Pretty badly. Pretty badly, Kyle. Gamera's going to take this one. I mean, we could we could make the argument that they're both divine beings. As far as Daimajin being a god, it's like, I'm going to underscore a god as opposed to the god. It's like back in like polytheistic forever ago Asia, there was a god of like wash tubs. Okay. It's like, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. It's like, he's tough, but he's, he doesn't have the size advantage. He doesn't have the ferocity. He's slow. 
he's going to get his butt kicked. He's kind of like the opposite of Ultraman. Like, he so is, Ultraman's yeah. quick and lithe and can move fast, but he only has three minutes. Daimajin's slow and plodding, but he basically has forever. And I don't think he's kind of like the opposite. He's exactly like the opposite <laughs> and opposite to what we decided in Ultraman's fight. Uh, he's going to get his butt kicked by Gamera. Brian, how can you see that happening? How can Gamera destroy the hideous idol of Daimajin? Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, I just pictured Daimajin walking along like uh, the robot in Westworld, slowly pursuing Gamera and Gamera being pushed back and pushed back. This is a good fight, but uh, I gotta go with Gamera on this one. I think the Guardian of the Universe definitely beats out the evil god of Daimajin. Charlie, how's this gonna play out? How will Gamera reduce his stony, statuesque assailant into gravel? Well, we've seen that this stone body cannot be destroyed by any human weapons. So I think the only way Gamera is going to be able to win is to sit on him and never get up. (laughs) (laughs) Satan, do you think Gamera is going to be able to take that seat forever? Well, the thing about this particular match is we're not saying that he's going to destroy Daimajin to the point where he can never come back or never be reformed or he's just got to defeat him. That's the key element of this. And I feel like in the 1984 high-minded docudrama Ghostbusters, we learn (laughs) that science can beat religion. Zool was a religious creature, and science beat it. And let's remember that Gamera is the product of Atlantean super science. He's absolutely going to take this fight. What an excellent point. What an excellent point about Gamera fighting this. Uh, it's almost like two good guys fighting, right? You know, earlier we had the bad guy versus the good guy. Now we've got the two good guys battling. And you never know because Daimajin, he uh, sort of skirts that fence, right? You never know if he's going to be good bit. or if he's just going to be vengeful. One of the things that I would say about Daimajin is that we never really got a chance to see him facing another monster. Now, he's done well in the past. Legion was unable to beat him, but Gamera has so much behind him, and it seems like, much like Ultraman, every time he's up against the ropes, he's able to pull something out of his bag of tricks and defeat his enemy. I gotta say, I'm gonna have to side with Gamera in this match, too. Rachel, what do you think? How can I vote against science, Kyle? I mean, come on! (laughs) (laughs) Gamera's got the flaming fist, he's got the smarts, he's got the moxie per se and i think he's gonna annihilate here i think that uh science is gonna win this battle votes gamera gamera well while i think Daimajin has some great advantages by filling gamera's head full of ghost and demon imagery gamera is almost three times his size and he's just going to put his foot down and just keep Daimajin in his place plus he could really just pick Daimajin up and toss him into space (laughs) and you'd never see him again Gamera. All right. I say Gamera's going to drive that god into the ground like a railroad spike. (laughs) (laughs) Or fly him up and let him uh, let go of him in orbit. All right. So it sounds to me like we've got a shutout and Gamera is the winner of this match. Leading us to our final bout of this episode, Gigan, the cybernetic, psychotic chicken from space. Fighting against the Sultan of Sludge, the Mastodon of Destruction, Hedera. Brian, where do you see this fight going? Well, I like Geigen a lot, uh, but I think the second he turns on that buzzsaw blade and goes after Hedera, 
he's just going to get corrosive acid lodged in there. It's just going to all come apart for a guy, and he's going to slowly burn himself out. Hedra's going to gum up the works. Oh, for sure. What do you think, Rachel? Well, we've all seen when it happens when you put that mixer on high and spray right through that melted butter. It gets all over the place. <laughs> and Gagan's best. Uh, that's a lot of metaphors. That went off. No, we're good. We're good. Keep going. We're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. works. Uh, <laughs> that buzzsaw Billy's just going to spread sludge all over Tokyo. Dave, do you agree, or do you think that Hedra is going to be able to take out this uh, crazy chicken from space? The chicken's going to take a licking, Kyle, I am sure. Uh, Hedra's going to take him out. Here's the thing. He's got no organs, okay? He's a giant walking pile of acidic, poisonous sludge. That is a huge advantage. He does have eyeballs and what appear to be testicles. He does have eyeballs, and <laughs> he's got his eyeginas that he's firing. His, but he's, he's firing beams out of them, too. I just think that fighting a giant ambulatory pile of aesthetic poisonous sludge is a real disadvantage to something that is not also a giant pile of aesthetic poisonous sludge. All he has to do is just blarg, just he sits on Geigen, melts him, walks away. Doesn't have to break a sweat. <laughs> Doesn't have to break a sweat. Does Hedra sweat, Charles? Yeah, and he's going to sweat this acid all over Geigen. Geigen's not going to stand a chance. As a matter of fact, Hedora just thrives on the toxic waste that is Gigan. <laughs> Gigan's toxic waste. Anyway, Sane, what do you think is going to happen in this match? How's Gigan going to fare against the smog monster? Well, this is a tough one, Kyle, because I really do uh, have a soft spot in my heart for that giant robot chicken. And we don't necessarily know his biology. Hedora's uh, sludge may not have any effect on his bionic systems or his organics. We don't know. Plus, if he does use that eye laser, although never seen in the show series, it could actually dehydrate Hedora, much like Godzilla's heat beam did. You know, I'm a little concerned that uh, Gigan's not going to have the smarts. Like, Gigan's smart. But he's also crazy, and that's sort of the problem with Gigan in my opinion. But we haven't seen is any that, real intelligence from Hedora either. No, Hedora is more about the lumbering mass it that seems keeps to going. Be just an overwhelming creature. That's true. But what I was saying is that Gigan, I don't think, is going to have that uh, quick reflex in his brain to tell him what he needs to do to defeat Hedra, much like Godzilla did in Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. He does tend to be extremely cowardly as well. If he thinks he's losing the battle, he may just turn tail. That is true. What do you think, Charlie? These are all compelling points, but I'm I'm still leaning towards uh, Hedora to uh, kind of take Gigan down to size. What metal cybernetic parts he does have are going to be severely affected by this. Rachel, Brian, do you have anything else to add to this? The irony here is that the robot from the planet that was terribly polluted is now going to be defeated by a monster of complete pollution. <laughs> yes. I think that I think that it's all Oh, that sweet is justice. That is not yeah, that is not irony, that is justice. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so it sounds to me like Hedra wins. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, well that is going to do it for this particular round of March Madness. Winning this competition, we had 2014's Godzilla, 2004's Godzilla, the Showa era King Kong, Hedra, Batra, Orga the 1966 Ultraman, and the Heisei Gamera. That will do it for the Hateful Eight, and we're going to be moving into the next round in the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Once again, thanks to Keith Foster and Andy Campbell for providing that recap at the beginning. Thanks to my crew here for coming out and helping out with Monster March Madness, and we will see you for the next episode. Jamata. 
それじゃ、帰ってきたウルトラマンやろっか。カネゴン、カウントお願い。ワン、ツー、スリー、フォー。That notwithstanding, I have to say that in our own prehistory here on Earth, even a caveman with a spear was able to take out a mammoth. And, uh. We don't actually know that. <laughs> Let's not split hairs, Dave, and just get through the <laughs> episode. <laughs> I don't talk through your f. It's <laughs> color, it's color commentary. It's a sports thing. That, that, that you should leave in. <laughs>